Hello and welcome to this episode of Demystified as we explore home cooking in a modern world. Hello, I'm Linda and I'm here with my friend Paul. Hi, Paul. Hello, Linda. And we have a very special guest. Very, very, very special. We're very excited. Robert Castellani. Robert Castellani. How are you going? How are you, Paul? Hi, Hi, Linda. How are you? Thanks very very much for coming along, Robert, doing this little podcast. We we did a, um, as you well know, we interviewed one of my old colleagues, James, um, and that went down pretty well with our listening audience and anytime we can get anyone into a, so they don't have to listen to me and you Linda let's be honest um, <laughs> anytime we can get someone more interesting in it's it's always value um, so I will do my version of who you are yes. and then you can do the real version <laughs> so I would I would say that we're mates we've been mates Definitely. for maybe what two, 18 months now that's exactly since right. we met yeah, um, since we and met. Robert was known to me previously in my previous life working in industry, kitchens, let's say, and industry, industry hospitality industry. <laughs> if you can call it an industry. Um, as chef from very famous for a long time, amongst other places, um, Donovan's Restaurant, head chef of Donovan's, yes. and Grossi. With, uh, no, it wasn't Grossi then, it was Florentino. Oh, Florentino, yeah. okay. So oh, Florentino and a lot of very well-known yes. adventures you've taken, but most notably head chef of Donovan's for how many years? Oh, God, 15, Paul. Yeah, and Lord. Donovan's, just for those <laughs> listening outside of Victoria, Australia, um, Donovan's is probably could quite absolutely be put as an institution in the Melbourne dining scene. And Robert being the head chef there for that many years serves to show you that we're talking to someone that has some unbelievably good, outstanding experience and probably a few good stories to tell us and certainly someone to listen to on the topic of cooking. So that's why we got him in. But since then, um, I suppose... One of the things, or how we met, was with working within appliances. And so our friend sitting here, Robert, is now the head chef, I would suppose. Yes. Um, or, you know, organises the resident chef, the resident chef and, and amongst things. other things, um, for a big retailer um, chain called ES Trading. That's right. That specialise in sort of premium appliances. So he and I met through the world of steam ups. Mm. That's right. I taught you a few things and you yeah, taught me a heap more. So, yeah, thanks for coming, mate. Much appreciated. Um, so, where do we start? Well, we can start uh, about appliances, if you like. Yeah, well, Which... or, or, or we could start back to, you know, the, maybe the Donovan's days and mm-hmm. or even post that, moving from there into, mm-hmm. I think you worked in... I was an administrator for a little bit. Yeah, administrator, and now you're doing this. So how, how are you finding, I mean, it's been well, 18 months now, how are yeah, you finding so, working yeah. with appliances and customers face-to-face? You know, one of the shocks that you get from moving from... Uh, back of house. The back of house, yes. It's called the, from the restaurant kitchen, where, well, even at Donovan's, we had, at the time, we had 40 staff, so... 
there was a lot of people involved. Now, the thing that I learned very early on in the career, my career, which is long, is that restaurants and businesses survive with cooperation. So the head chef position, not only do you produce and make and hopefully cost, make the business work, uh, you've got to work with people. You know, you've got to work with the front of house, the back of house. There's no, uh, there's, there's nothing like being an autocrat. That you just won't survive. You won't survive anymore. Also, there's issues with staffing. Most of the restaurants are, are, are manned by young people. They're young people. They're looking for, they're looking for a career. They're looking for a job. So, the position of head chef is that you've got to feed both mentally and also staff meal-wise. And I learned that very early, very early on in my career because I did work at Stephanie's Restaurant. Oh, that's right. Sorry, I forgot to mention that one. Well, I it's worked, a star-studded CV. That's I worked, the problem. I worked there in the 80s for about <laughs> seven years and I was as raw as anything, but I started working in the kitchen garden picking herbs. That's where I started. Can you imagine how boring that was? But I would... It's a bit more glamorous than that. my start was in the nineties. Yeah, <laughs> washing dishes. So you're the. So this well, is why you ended up where you ended up. Well, I'm I don't try to sell my know. soul through a podcast. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I learned a lot of things there as a young cook. Not only did I learn about the value of looking after and treating people nicely, but also to look after myself uh, and to sort of back things off when things got very hectic. I think the thing is with cooks, you need to deal with a lot of frustration. And the best way to, for me to describe it is because there's so many things coming at you at the time. There's the, the chef or the head chef. And, you know. So from there on, I, I developed a liking for it. Somehow or other, it just stuck. I don't know. You know it just... It's a bit weird. It's, it's a bit like a, it's, it is. It's a bit of a drug. It is a drug. Yeah. And you, you know this too. And then you get over it. And then you like yeah, have you this sort of five year come down. But the restaurant is always the restaurant world is it's it's, it's exciting. It's exciting because there's new and there's always new things to learn. And you've you've got to enjoy what you do. So given what you're doing now, which is quite different, yeah, is. and you don't have a brigade and you don't have a team behind you and you don't even have anyone washing up your dishes anymore. None. No, it's um, on me. Do you, like, I find sometimes, because we both work within the appliance industry, but I find, not all the time, but every now and again, I get I get an itch. Like, mm. I miss the rush of a dinner service. I miss having orders pour in and knowing I'm right on top of my game. Like, do you ever get that still? I do, and then I slowly bring myself down to earth again. I'm like, well... <laughs> <laughs> I think you know. I can only I can only say to you that because uh, we did very well at Donovan's and we we had you know lots of accolades. We had, but that therein that's also the problem. So if people recognise you as a good restaurant, then these days with social media and with reviews and things like that, you, know, you always have to be on top of the game. There's no let up. There's yeah. really no let up. So the anxiety builds every time even customer comes in because who knows if the customer will be in a bad mood or be in a good mood of just had a you know a very bad experience somewhere else of you know and um, a lot of us is dependent on, on 
the front of house. So the back of house sort of produces the food, but a lot of the environment is set. A lot of the environment is set from the front of house. Mm. And uh, I think one of the things that I learned at Donovan's is that you don't need to be a schmicko A-grade waiter. You have to be a really nice person and like people and be accommodating. It's funny that you and I are both in this industry. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. But even our industry now, it's, uh, it's all customer-based. Robert, before I ask you my real question, I yes. need to say that uh, Donovan's is the place that my husband and I go to for my birthday most years, for quite a number of years. Mm. And uh, my birthday's in September, and it's amazing how many other people in the restaurant are singing happy birthday and my husband never sings because there's so many tables around with the constant sort of bombed Alaska coming out with the table singing happy birthday. Yeah. It's just one huge party mm. and uh, we've been doing that for many, many years. Yeah, okay, okay. How many times have you heard that story? Lots, oh, oh, lots I imagine. Yeah. But here you are, this great chef and this history of, of chefing and, and what that means yeah. and now you're in an appliance store talking to people who are looking for information, looking mm. for inspiration and yes, all yes. the things that people bring, it would be nearly impossible, I think, to bring a lot of those recipes to the yes. fore. So you have to kind of gauge very quickly. Well, how do you do that? How do you assess the food that you're going to, that will best show off the appliances mm. that you're trying to demonstrate, yeah. but also understand that the people sitting on the other side of the counter to you yeah are coming to you with a plethora of questions mm. and fears and, mm. you know, their own their own journey in this. You know, one of the things actually that I learned from Paul is um, you've got to give people what they want. They, they, they've got to... You, you've got to give people what they want. So if they've come to the demonstration for a look and see... Uh, yes, give them a look and see. Some people come to the demonstrations for recipes. And I remember seeing Paul in action because he would, he'd be, there'd be 10 or 15 minutes before he would start on his spiel and he'd delve in and he'd ask people, he'd ask people, what, what the hell are you doing here? What do you want? What do you want to know? What are you here for? Oh, you know, this sort of stuff. So he'd gauge exactly what and how to how to uh, how to give his demonstration where if people are just interested in recipes you know you start talking about food and sort of the normal recipe sort of format and you know so he get people engaged and I think that therein is that's the thing about talking to a small group of people who are interested in the appliances engagement and, uh, and giving people what they want if they they you know if they want to know that how the oven works, well, go that way rather than showing them about the sous vide function of the oven or the roasting function of the oven. So a lot of people aren't interested in a lot of the things that you can actually talk to them about. And the only way you can find out is to ask them. Absolutely. You've got to quantify all the time. Do you have move very quickly with that. Well, do you have a combi steam oven or a steam oven at home in your kit? No, I don't. So when you first started working for ENS... Mm. You had to then look at this little oven mm. and go right. You know, I'm. This isn't the commercial setting. This yeah. is the domestic setting. How long did it take you to well, you figure know, the out? Thing is, you know, Linda, a lot of these things that I 
but I had to tool up very quickly because not only did I work with one particular group, I had to do other brands. So they said to me, You're, we've got all these brands here, so learn and tool up very quickly because you're the guy who's going to do the extra demonstrations for these brands. So, And once you start to learn all the, the technology behind it, but it was it's fantastic, and I learned very quickly, and Paul will attest to the fact that I, I ask a lot of questions. You know, I go there, even though I've got this experience in the kitchen, yada, yada, I'll ask Paul a lot of questions. I'll call him up and say, oh, Paul, you remind me why? Because I like to, to ask questions. I'm badger people. I talk to people. And I talk to lots of different people, but that there is a skill. So one of the things that I know about the steam ovens particularly is that um, if anyone's ever used um, like the oven bags, and the oven bags, you know, you put the chicken in the oven bag, you put a bit of water in it, you seal the oven bag, you put your vegetables in the oven bag, well, that's a steam oven. That's what we're talking about. When I started making bread, because I started working in a pastry kitchen, I started making bread and what we'd have, we'd have this gungy old tray at the bottom with full of water. We'd get a brick, we'd heat the brick, we'd put that on the stove, get that brick very hot, and we'd put that in the gungy tray and that would humidify the cabin. We'd have these little sprays, you know, we'd put the sprays out. So all those things that we used to do, we're doing now, and the oven's taking care of it. We used to even put electric blankets on the table so as to get the bread to rise because Melbourne temperature goes up and down. So what we want is consistency of temperature. With the ovens, particularly the steam ovens, is that they're very consistent. So you put your dough in and within 40 minutes. And it's the same every day. Same, same, same every day. It's one of the things we love about it, Robert. Absolutely, absolutely. And also keeping abreast of technology. Things change very quickly in the industry, in the appliance industry. Uh, there's now, there's ovens now that are bringing um, air fryers. So not only do you have your steam oven, you've got your roasting oven. Now there's an air fryer function in the oven. So there's like, how much more can you fit in? And houses are getting smaller. <laughs> there's no room to live in them anymore. It's all kitchen. Yeah, but to that point, um, the thing with all these, the functionality that's built in is I, I look at it, yeah, how much more can you fit in? Yeah. How much more, how, how much does that confuse a new customer? Because we know that as a general rule, people aren't buying an oven every two years. So the technology, but between when you purchased your ovens mm. is probably 10 to 15 years. So the technology moves, as you know, almost yearly now. Yeah. Like it, it, it changes very, very quickly. And so a lot of people are daunted by it, phased by it, mm. overwhelmed by it. While it's true that you can still get, and I mean, I've seen it firsthand myself, you get some of the best meals out of a really crappy old gas-powered oven that's got one temperature setting which is flat out or nothing. And, and, and <laughs> We've all worked uh, in kitchens for like yeah, that oven. But you get a feel for it. You get you know a touch for it and you know how it behaves yeah. and how it works. But on the flip side of that, all this new functionality that's built in, I kind of look at it as though manufacturers are building that in for a specific purpose. So almost like... Um, you know, there's 
Cruise control on your car just doesn't exist because it, it, it has a specific purpose. Although it takes up room within the engine bay and your instrument cluster and all the rest of it, like everything has a specific job. And I think while manufacturers, I think they're getting much better at applying heat because we can't change cooking mm. mediums that much. I mean, when we talk about an oven, it's a box that gets hot, right? I've said that to you yes, how many times. It. But while we can't change that, we can change the behavior of the heat. Mm. And maybe that suits better to X, Y, and Z that someone's cooking. Mm. So, you know, people are, and you and I can both attest, you get people that haven't bought an oven in 15 years and everything is now iPhone-type touchscreen and, like, 19 million functions mm. and how do I navigate those? I, I think people are better off looking at them as not, like, which function do I pick? Mm. It's applying a tool for a particular job. Mm. You can't, you know... Sometimes you need pliers, and sometimes you need a spanner, and sometimes you need a hammer. That's how I sort of look at it. You know, while it's hard to demonstrate because you have to give tangible examples for every single function if you're demonstrating an oven, um, I think manufacturers that are building in this functionality are doing actually a pretty good job of like redefining the way that heat reacts with a particular food or food type or cooking type. Mm. Air frying. Don't know. Wow. Yeah, I'm not there yet, buddy. <laughs> like, give me deep fryer. Like. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I haven't tested a lot of it, so I don't mm. know. Yeah. And this is why I think it's overwhelming for the general customer being a non-chef. Yes. I'm looking at it from a completely different point of view. Yes, yes. And I'm coming along with my partner and mm. their level. You know, this is for our, this is a big investment. And if you're looking at upgrading yes. all of your kitchen appliances, because once it's like you painted one room in the house and all of a sudden you've got to paint the rest of the rooms, mm. you up to, if you can, if you can upgrade all of your appliances at once, mm. it's daunting and mm. it's really expensive. Mm. And you to be able to navigate through the options of the different and gas versus induction, mm. combi versus pyrolytic versus, mm. you know, like it's, you're sitting there and you're trying to be, I guess, navigate through whether this is a gimmick, whether it's, you know, whether it's going to work for you. And as I said in a previous podcast, um, with all the people that I know and all the people that have eaten at our house, not one of my friends has ever been convinced to buy a combi steam oven, mm. not one. You know, and yet they've all commented on the food, particularly if it's been a recipe that I've got from our website and we've tested it in those early days. You know, I've had family say to me, but this this is like restaurant quality. Are you sure you made it? Mm -hmm. Yes, I did. I just did it in front of you. Mm -hmm. And yet they still don't see the, the benefit of buying one. And so I understand what it's like sitting on the other side of the bench mm -hmm. looking at what you're offering. Mm -hmm. And that is a real skill to help us work out what we don't know because we don't know what we don't know. Mm, yes, yes. You know, one of the things that I've noticed is that um, with with ovens, they've got these assisted programs. Now, people seem to think the assisted programs is going to take over everything and it's almost as if they're going to put a lump of coal in and it's going to come out a diamond in the end. But um, I think people are conned because it doesn't, often work that way you know it doesn't the assisted programs are good to 
teach people how to cook, but there's a, a vari there's it's variable. There are, there are programs which you know they they overcook or they undercook. You know it's 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 an algorithm. I don't know, but well, this is the problem with cooking in general, because uh, what and I, as you know, have worked for a couple of different manufacturers. Mm. Um, the problem is, is that you are trying to apply perfect engineered rhythms, mm. a la time and temperature, within a time temperature within a, within a cavity, right? Yes. But what isn't perfect is what you put in it. Yeah. A chicken is never the same. Correct. So no matter how often you do it, no matter how. Even if you go and buy a size 14 chicken, the size 14 chicken you bought last week to the one that you buy this week, and maybe you tempered it more last week, or, you know, who knows? But they're different. And that's why, like you say, I agree with you 100%, is assistant programs are a good way to have a look at the oven and see how it's behaving and what function maybe that manufacturer has suggested mm. for that particular dish. But what they don't teach you is... The technique of how to prep the bird, how to truss it, how to, you know, maybe all of those little bits that I think you learn over a career in food, mm. they're the little bits I think that maybe sometimes make a difference mm. between being, something being good and something just that little bit, little bit better. Mm. But I don't know, I'm, you know. I bow to the uh, to yeah, the Jedi it's, Master. It's, no, like, it's I mean, interesting. It's interesting yeah. about. Um, I've just I've got this memory of years ago, and uh, I walked into um, I walked in we had, we were having a party. And we walked in, and people were talking about what they'd eaten for dinner, and I remember walking in, and people said, "Oh, yeah, Rob's a cook," and um, and someone said, "Oh, Rob, what what, what did you cook? What did you cook?" I said, "Oh, uh, the kids were little, and I said I oh, roasted a chook and had sort of roasted veggies, and we had a salad. That's that's what we had for dinner." Woman says, "I've never roasted a chicken before in my life." I said, "Really, really, never." And I just thought, "Well, yeah, that's because I think from our industry, our industry is, um, you know, our industry is about it's a it's it's like um, you know um, <laughs> anyway, our, our industry is very diverse. There's lots of different sorts." There's lots of different sorts of people who aspire to mm. cooking and what they want to cook, and, and then there's people that couldn't give a toss. Yeah, yeah, and and the funny thing is, is that all of those people, well, at some stage, and a mixture of them all together, will walk in and sit in front of you and expect some pretty high things at a mm. limited time cooking demonstration, you know, mm. and they want. You know, it's, it's very hard. Is that we? I spend a lot of time thinking about cooking demonstrations and doing this sort of work, the sort of work that you mm. do, and, and thinking: Are they a product demonstration? Are they an educational piece? Are mm. they a recipe testing forum? Are they a, a commentary about mm. you know food trends in mm. general? You know what what actually are and what should they be? You know, we've spoken about mm. this at length. Like you know that. I find it incredibly difficult sometimes to maybe try and find the right in to get that customer to understand what I'm trying to say because everyone's looking at it from their own personal experience perspective. 
and maybe not the bigger, broader picture. I don't know. But it, it, it's really, it's a very, like, I don't envy you at all. Like, I've done, as you know, I've been doing demonstrations for mm. a long time now, but I'm generally working with one brand. Mm. And there you go. You just got to make me look bad, don't you? <laughs> no, 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 look, I'm no master at any of them. That's, that's the thing. But I go along with it because I know the basic principles of how they work. Well, because you know... You know the basic principles of cooking too, and I that's do, the other I thing. Do. And if you, and I think that's something that Linda and I have talked about too. If you understand some fundamentals, you're going to be a better cook. Like just getting the fundamentals down, you, the appliance isn't going to teach you those fundamentals. Yeah. It'll give you hopefully a better result, yeah. but maybe the fundamentals are the bit that's missing. Sometimes, you know, yeah. teaching someone how to how to truss a chicken. Yeah. I mean, there's arguments to be had for doing it versus not doing it. Or teaching them how to, you know, why temper my food? Why bring it up to room temperature? Mm. Give them some reasoning behind it from experience. Um, and I think that's the probably one of the roles that you probably play in, in these demonstrations. It would mm. be, be a really good exercise to actually, you know, record and get some feedback mm. and see what people think a year later. Like, wouldn't you love to know? Mm. Like, attended a demonstration. <laughs> Whether well, they've done anything that was suggested. More the appropriate yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's very hard to retain information. Like People forget. People forget. That's right. I mean, that's why we, you can attest, we see them two or three times. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. Now, I'm, I've been that customer. My my first VZORG demonstration, oh, yes. which is when I first saw down at Bologna Appliances, Dougie and I went along, and I can tell you what that uh, lady prepared mm. So this is me dragging Dougie along into an appliance store to have a look at something that he'd never seen, no one had had, and he wasn't really sure about. Mm. And she pulled out uh, frozen um, spring rolls and put them in the oven. Mm. Then she did salmon with some um, cauliflower and carrot, which were underdone when she served them up, so they were hard. Salmon was okay, but the veggies were quite hard. And then she did the, you know, the Vizel famous um, filo pastry with ice cream inside. I can remember that, and that would have been seven years ago. So don't think that people who aren't sitting there watching you okay. aren't taking it on board. No, 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 I'm not saying that at all. No, no, you remember but, what she cooked, but what functions did she use on the oven? I have no idea. <laughs> and point is and I have, I don't think we've ever put spring rolls in the oven because <laughs> that's not how we cook. And but. But I can remember it because I was watching to see what it gave us and it didn't convince my husband that whole demonstration and it was all electronic and it was a bit sort of, mm. I've discussed this earlier, but the um, when we went in again, we didn't have a demo. We just went in because I just had nagged Doug to death about getting one of these things and we didn't have another demo after that. I just good. convinced him based on what I saw for the mm. benefits were. So... You know, I think people do take it on board. Well, I'm not they, saying that. No, I'm certainly not suggesting that they don't take it on board. But my but point was the, made by the fact that you went to a demonstration and the only thing about that product demonstration you remembered is the food. Yes. And the purpose of the demonstrator is to do what? Two things. The purpose of the demonstrator is to, A, cook some food that is tasty, delicious, well-cooked, da 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 The second purpose of the demonstrator is to show the product and show the product in its best lights and make that as clear as possible. And you, this much later, longer, can still repeat verbatim 
what you ate, but you have no idea about what functionality that, that no. was used to get to that point. Whether it was good, bad, no. let's say it was fantastic. But I did, I did think it was pretty amazing that you could crisp phyllo pastry and yet still have frozen ice cream. But we've discussed this. I know we have. Yeah. But so, Robert, with with what your <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll just move on from that one. So, but Robert, with you now mm. doing your your demonstration yes. on a whole range of appliances mm. at ENS training, have you? Do you have a sort of a, a set menu that you think best showcases? how many appliances you have to get through yeah. that gives you the time because I it's I've, I know I've seen Paul do this since he started doing demos but that muscle memory you have to have to be able to prepare what you're doing and present to people and answer questions and ask questions and also think about what you have to you know still do the next step for the cooking process so do you have um a set menu or do you i i change the menus and it's it's a pain because i really have to be on on the ball uh, so for some brands i'll demonstrate how to make pizza for some brands i'll i'll make uh, i'll make a cream caramel something well, why do you change it? Why do you do that? What's uh, your... For my own interest, really, but also because the oven particularly works well. I've spoken to Paul about some of the ovens uh, that are irregular, the temperatures are irregular, and, and I've found them in, in the particular stores, some of them have got, you know, the temperature is not 100%. Um, I'm willing to say that. And also, look, uh, Linda, I've actually had some fails too sometimes things don't work out as what you'd like them to do you know sometimes things are a little bit overcooked people don't say anything but they i know they know but um some brands i uh, i use for dehydrate so i've dehydrated food you know two or three days before and the, and what, what i try and do is i try and give um I try and give it's it's a bit like a like a um, like a, it's it's a bit of a banquet in a way. You've got lots of different things and a smorgasbord, so people can actually pick out what they want. So I'll say, oh well, I, I can do you know dehydrating or you know in this oven and this is the setting and whether or not you want to do that, it's fine. But also this oven has the assisted function, but it's also got the steam function where you can steam and then you can roast straight away and then you can put the grill on straight away after that and people think oh yeah this is a really good idea so they'll take that but some people may not be interested in that function you know so you try and give people as much information as what not specific um, but you try and give people as much information as, as what the oven can do for the limited time that you you know you've got what do you think people are, who are attending, mm. uh, is there a general theme? I know Paul said that it's, you know, and you've mentioned that mm. um, trying to ascertain what they're there for. Yeah. But do you, would you say there are, you know, one or two types of people mm. that go along? Or? Yeah, there's, there, there's, oh, there's a, an interest in food. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, uh, an overall interest in food and what, what you can cook in the oven. Um, there, are, there are some people who want recipes, yes, but there is also some people that just go into the store and say, well, I want that one because that's the best, that sort of thing. And then there's people that are like, the, you know, the, the weekend cooks, 
you know, they, they like experimenting and they, they're soon leaving and you know, dehydrating and oh, yes, I, I dehydrated some olives on the weekend. Great, you know, that sort of stuff. So there's a range of different uh, people. You know, there's a, and when you get them all in one space together, it's trying to address questions that are specific to what their interests mm. are, but still make it interesting for the remainder of the audience mm. and bring that back to exactly what you are cooking on the day. Mm. Because maybe you get someone that's interested in dehydrating and maybe mm. you haven't done that for that particular demonstration. And the other six or eight people sitting there don't want to hear about it, but that particular person does. How do you... I mean, the skill is, is to be able to answer that question, make it interesting for everyone else, relate it back to what you're actually doing right now and the brand. Yeah. I, I, um, what, what I do, I, I know that um, you've got your own, um, but what, what I do, I, I, I will relate it to an experience that I've had. Yeah. So I'll say, well, yes, you can dehydrate your oranges and your lemons, uh, but uh, you know, to take it a step further, what I've done in the past, I've taken the row from the scallops yeah. and I've dehydrated the row from the scallops then I put them into the thermomix, and people go, oh, yeah, I've got a thermomix. And I put them into the thermomix, and I've added powdered ginger. And then from the powdered ginger and the scallop powder, I've used the seasoning. And it's fantastic for crayfish. Or you can finish it off with a sauce if you really want to. Is this what you do at home, is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Sitting there with your um, scallop roe dusted crayfish. But see, that's a problem. Well, we know who's picked the better job, don't we? You can't get scallop roe anymore. <laughs> no, I know. Because it's got to China. Yeah. It's, it's got to China. Do you, what do you think the... Do you, well, after this pandemic that we've been all... Yeah. The whole world's been going through and... The difficulty it is conducting face-to-face -face mm. demonstrations of appliances. Do you think there's a way of people? Do you think people will be happy to forgo the food for an educational process mm. on oven cooktops appliances in general? Well, there's there's a huge demand for knowledge in our industry, and we're we're professional cooks, so we've got knowledge length and breadth and you know we can talk you know we can talk the leg off the table about cooking uh, but uh, as to how it uh, how people engage with that information you know, that's that's another thing i mean also in our industry if you call it an industry paul well it is it is but you've got yes you've got long-standing qualified you know Cooks, uh, but then you've got um, you know people that have done like this cockamamie degree, which oh look at he's on the uh, no. war path. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know it's yeah, it's uh, it's different. It's difficult. And what do you think the next? Uh, can you do you think there's a trend happening or emerging in in appliances that? you're seeing or is it really just this constant as Paul was saying is every year there's a new feature a new function and and it's just another sort of yeah I, I like the idea of the internet uh, being um, it's not a new thing mate <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea you think of... everyone's listening to you right I like the idea of the internet and the appliance together so you can actually 
verbalize a command and say to the client, switch on. I can foresee that what will happen is that maybe the clients can say no. Say no. <laughs> but I've, I've heard people that have got um, these, uh, these uh, uh, Alexis at home. Connected. Yeah. Connected to the ovens and also to their lights and also to the car door. And they'll come in and say, and they've named all the appliances by the names. So they'll walk in and say, oh, turn Bob on. And then uh, Alexis will say, oh, sorry, I did not understand what you were saying. <laughs> turn Bob on. <laughs> I wonder how far this goes because one of our beautiful friends, they have uh, a Google and, yeah. yeah, you can sit there and they can say, hey, party trick, you know, music on, music yeah. off, lights yes. up, lights down. But I just wonder how far we're moving. You know, most of us are, while we're quick adopters of some technologies, and certainly in Australia we're quick adopters of phones and yes. things like that, I think that other take-up of getting out, you know, I, I just wonder how long it'll be before there's a mass take-up of our fridge talking to our oven, talking to our phone to give us a shopping list that we can do online and have have it delivered to our home. Yeah. I think people still like feeling, and if one thing the pandemic's taught us, you know, the, the things that we can take control on, we like taking control mm. on. And for most people, that would be the food that they're feeding their family, I would say. So I just wonder, but yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for that, Robert. Pleasure. And uh, thanks, buddy. thanks for coming in. And awesome to see you. Thanks for coming in. <laughs> right, and, I'm being serious. Really appreciate it. And taking the pressure off Paul. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that later, Robert. So thanks very much, guys. Pleasure. Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to this podcast as we explore home cooking in a modern world. We'd love you to subscribe. And for more information, please go to our website, cookingwithsteam.com. Mm-hmm.